We've looked in two previous parts to this sermon series on this idea of how we partner with those who are giving their lives for the sake of the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've given you three outline points already, three aspects of this kind of financial partnership that Paul talks about here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 20. We've looked at the first three verses very, very closely and very, very carefully, and I'll just mention them by way of review so that we can look at all nine of these and have it in a package together so that you can see your own responsibility to partner in the financial wherewithal of seeing the gospel spread far and wide. In part one, for example, uh, we talked about the first of these nine aspects, and in each of these outline points, I'm giving you two words that start with the letter C so that you can have a memorable way of thinking about your own partnership. And the first one is this, financial partnership in the spread of the gospel comes with care and concern in the mind. Why do I say in the mind? Well, look at verse 10 with me of Philippians chapter 4. It says here, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Do you remember I said that the word revived is just that idea of a botanical term that means you didn't have the opportunity to give before to my spreading of the gospel, but now your, your care has been revived. It's blossomed. And, and you care for me financially, and you are continuing to care for me. You just didn't have the opportunity. But now I can see through Epaphroditus that you have brought a financial gift to me, and that means that you have great care. And then we say that it also is a concern in the mind. Concern in this sense, that the word concern itself is one of those words that Paul uses very, very often in the book of Philippians. And while it's translated concern, it's actually from the word group that talks about the mind, to think, phreneo. It means that, in other words, for someone to care and have concern about another person and that person spreading the gospel, whether they're doing it full-time or not, it starts first in the mind. It's in the mind. Secondly, financial partnership in the spread of the gospel comes also with circumstances and contentment in the heart. Circumstances and contentment in the heart. Look at verses 11 and 12 of Philippians 4. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, that's the word for humiliation, and I know how to abound, that means to go high. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So Paul says that in my partnership with you in the spread of the gospel, Philippians, I recognize that there are circumstances to the spreading of the gospel anywhere. And we just heard of some of those in that missionary report. The circumstances are these. It can sometimes be very, very bleak. Paul is a model of this. You remember I shared with you 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 12. 
about the bleak conditions that Paul underwent as he spread the gospel, beatings, imprisonments. And while not all of us might have some of those things, certainly there are Christians around the world who do, but even here in the West, we might not not have beatings and imprisonments, though they may come at some point in the future, but we certainly have those who either completely ignore us or they are frustrated with us as we communicate the gospel to them, or they're certainly turning a blind eye to what we are trying to bring to them, a deaf ear to the sense of the gospel. Those are bleak circumstances. But even in those bleak circumstances, here's what we know. We know that in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in the spreading of the gospel, we are to be, as Paul says about himself here in verses 11 and 12, content. Content. Our sufficiency is in God, he says in 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. Thirdly, I said to you last time, financial partnership in the spread of the gospel also comes with commitment and Christ in the will. That is your will. The little willer that works within your heart. I will to do something. I will go here. I will do this or that. That takes commitment. It takes tremendous commitment. And notice what Paul says in verse 13 of Philippians 4. I can do all things. This is not a spiritual superhero. This is not someone saying, I can do all things as long as Christ strengthens me. You say, well, that seems to be exactly what the verse says. Well, yes, it does. But remember, in the context, the I can do all things is the I can do all things of spreading the gospel. So if you're not about spreading the gospel in some form or fashion, this verse is not to be used by you. This is not a verse where a football player puts uh, eye black under his eyes and writes on there Philippians 4.13 as though I can run somebody over as long as Christ strengthens me to do so. It's a wrong use of this verse. In the context, Paul is saying, I can do all things in the sense of what I am doing, and that is to communicate the gospel to others. You might be the greatest linebacker in NFL history, and you may be knocking people over with a fever pitch, but if you're not picking them up and telling them that you love Jesus Christ, you're not doing all things for Christ with the strength that He gives. You say, that seems a That seems a little limiting. Well, it's not really in a sense because what we're really saying in Philippians 4.13, this is what Paul means, is that when I do whatever I do, whether it's my job, whether it's playing sports, whatever it is, no matter what it is, whether I'm living my life or not, it includes my verbalization of the gospel. You know, you've heard maybe this phrase, you know, Do all that you can do for others, and if necessary, use words. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all, because it's your words that accentuates the life of your gospel ministry to them, but it takes words. The the salvation of souls is not merely going to be, well, I just live my life for Christ, but I don't tell anybody about Christ. They might think that you're a good cult member. 
They might think you're a good Hindu or Buddhist. If they don't hear anything from you about your love for Jesus Christ, about your commitment to the Lord Jesus, then however you're living with Christ strengthening you, as you use Philippians 14, will be of no avail unless you open your mouth and talk to them about the Lord Jesus. Then it can activate your doing all things for the sake of Christ strengthening you to communicate that gospel with your words and with your actions. Number four, number four, this is really clear. Financial partnership in the spread of the gospel comes with character and crisis in the affections. Now, I know the mind, the heart, the will, and the affections. I'm using all of these to talk about the inner person, right? These are just different aspects of the inner person. And a person who wants to be giving to others out of their financial bounty will do so because in the affections of the heart, in the the very pathos of the heart, a person wants to give because they have the character of being a giver. Notice what Paul says in verse 14, Philippians 2.14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Notice that phrase, it was kind of you. Now, we think of the word kind, and we just think, well, that's a human attribute that may be true of Christians and non-Christians. Well, perhaps so, but remember the context. The context is financial partnership for the sake of spreading verbally the gospel message of Jesus Christ, right? So with that context, the idea of kindness here could also be translated this way, and I love this part. The word for kind could be translated, depending again on the context in which it is used, good, beautiful, noble, pleasant, splendid. In other words, it was splendid of you, it was pleasant of you, it was noble of you, it was good of you, it was beautiful of you to think about me in my financial need. In other words, when you and I have the affection of Jesus Christ, We hear of a need, and perhaps if you and I can meet such a need, perhaps at times we can't, but if we can, our affections are so beautiful and splendid and good because our character as a giving person rises to the forefront. We have the character of wanting to be in the affections of our heart involved in a financial partnership in the spreading of the gospel. I mean, you and I know that it's a right thing, it's a good thing, it's a noble thing to leave money to our children when we die. It's a noble thing. But what shall we do if we're not leaving a spiritual legacy for them as well? And perhaps part of the modeling for them in what we're doing is also how we're living our lives right now so that they, as our children or grandchildren, are seeing our generosity, our financial partnership with preachers and missionaries and people in need in your own congregation, so that they are saying about us, I learned a thousand lessons about how to be noble and kind and beautiful and splendid in a partnership that they had with countless others in the spread of the gospel. That's what we want. 
That's another way of announcing Christ. We have a partnership and the character of our lives are kindness and beauty and splendidness with this financial partnership with which and for which we're involved with others. You see that other point there, crisis, crisis? Notice what he says. Yet it was kind of you to share my what? My trouble. Boy, that's the most interesting word. Flipsis. Flipsis. You know what it means? Pressure. Pressure. Paul had all kinds of unending, relentless pressure in his life. He was always working his way in and out of severe trouble. Sometimes this word is translated trouble. Sometimes this word is translated with the English word affliction. Affliction. Oh, it was so kind of you, so noble of you in this financial partnership that we share to partner. That, that very word share there, that's from our word group, Kaneo. That's, that's the way we've titled this whole series, financial partnership, sharing. This is a sharing, a partnership in my intense pressure to see the gospel go far and wide. And the way that that gospel goes far and wide is through our financial partnership with those who are taking it far and wide. This pressure that Paul is under, it's not just a pressure that you and I are under as we give sacrificially to those who are under such pressure. It might put us under some financial strain or pressure. And of course, they are under strain and pressure, knowing if they're going to have a meal, knowing if they're going to have success in their labors. You, you watch that missionary report, the idea of tracks, the idea of doing advertisement, the idea of trying to, to get the gospel out, as was said. Well, that, that takes financial means. Uh, that takes someone printing tracks. That takes someone delivering tracks. That takes uh, mail costs. That takes all kinds of things. That takes delivery trucks. That takes whatever means whereby those tracks are being given out to people. That takes financial commitment. And, and it's a tremendous pressure. And both, here's the reciprocity of it, here's the reciprocal nature of it. When I give of my funds for those, not just in faraway places, but even in our own backyard, when I give my funds and this financial partnership is real, we're also going to get a response from it. And that response oftentimes is hostile, hostile response. And guess what Paul says in chapter 1? Look at chapter 1 with me, verse 29. This is what he says. He says, in, in chapter 1, this, this, is, this is who we are. This is, this is the life we live. For, Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged, verse 30, in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. Do you notice the word there, conflict? Suffer, pressure, it's going to be a part of it. It's absolutely going to be a part of it. By the way, he uses in the same word family for, for flipsis, the idea of affliction, 
in Philippians 1.17. And it's translated that way in that passage, Philippians 1.17. Affliction. We're going to have a response, and sometimes that response is not going to be good. But Paul's life is, as he says in Philippians 3.10, I want to share or I want to partner in Christ's sufferings. That's my partnership. You say, who in their right mind wants a partnership in sufferings? Uncle, overload, doesn't compute. I want a bed of ease. I want a warm, cushy life. Well, perhaps... If God grants that to you and you've never, ever shared the gospel with someone and they've, they've never, ever rejected it, and as you've shared the gospel, they've received the gospel through your witness, and it has been a phenomenal witnessing opportunity every single time for you. I'd like to see a show of hands. Of course, there's not a single one of us who has had nothing but roses with regard to to communicating the gospel with people. Most of the time, not all the time, praise God, but most of the time, you and I will get a stiff reaction. I can remember my brother-in-law, Michael, saying in some of those early days, you knock on the door, and again, these are predominantly Catholic families, you knock on the door, and as soon as you begin to communicate the true gospel of Jesus Christ, the door is slammed in your face. This is This is part and parcel of what it means to suffer. This is what Paul is saying. That's why I use the word crisis here. This is a crisis based upon the idea here in this text that there's a character quality of kindness even when the crisis moment hits because we're in a partnership together. Number five, number five, financial partnership in the spread of the gospel comes also with coupling and consistency in the conscience. Look at verses 15 and 16. And you Philippians yourselves know. See the emphasis there? You, you yourselves, you know. That in the beginning of the gospel, that means in the beginning when the gospel first came to you, Philippian believers, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership. That's the same word family as the word share in verse 14. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Do you realize now how precious these Philippians were to Paul? No other church up to that point, up to the point of his writing, had coupled with him, had partnered with him. Do you know what he's saying by this? I don't condemn you at all. I commend you. I commend you. You have been my partners from the very beginning of the gospel reach into your lives. What a partnership! I've said this before, and at the risk of repeating it so that you say, there he goes again, thank you for your support of my preaching. You say, well, it's it's easy. I love you. I, I love the preaching. You know what? Your love is tangibly expressed when I'm able 
to pay my bills. Your love is tangibly expressed. I don't thank you nearly enough for what you do to support me and my family. And so I want to say thank you. Thank you. Chris and I will sometimes go to my adjunct office, Chick-fil-A on Moore Park Road. <laughs> and as we're having our time together as, as two pastors, praying for you, talking about ministry for you and with you, and there are times where I'm saying to myself, and he says to himself, and sometimes we might even say it to each other, can you believe that we've been freed up to minister to people 24-7? Do you, do, you, do you recognize the gift that we've been given? Do you recognize the, the privilege, the honor of being those chosen by God and through the love and tangible financial support of the people of God, we are able to communicate the gospel? Can you understand the partnership of Timeless Truth today, the radio ministry? Just... Just the other day, Jim Hines told me as our elder chairman that he met somebody in the, in the back right before the service started, that inevitable question, I want to meet you, what are your names, how did you hear about us, timeless truth today. We listen, 5 p.m., Monday through Friday, on KDAR in Oxnard. So we came to, to check you out. I mean, this is a partnership. Some of you are working tangibly in that ministry. Some of you are giving toward that ministry. That's just one example. There are a hundred examples of what you're doing. We're going to Mexico. We can support missionaries. We're doing anything and everything we can to couple together for the sake of the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it not just only takes coupling, but also consistency. Notice what it says there. This is, this is amazing, verses 15 and 16. He says, you yourselves know, Philippians, that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs. How often? Once and again. The Greek text could legitimately be translated this way, again and again and again and again and again. You sent gifts. Now look, I know when the preacher talks about money, uneasiness is in the room. I understand that. But since this text is about money, we're going to preach it for all it's worth. Because some of you do not give as you should. I don't know who you are. I have no interest nor involvement in the money part of this church. None at all. In fact, I'm so bad with stuff like that that they ask me, please leave the room. We don't want any suggestions because they would be wrong suggestions. And I say, praise God, I'm so freed up not to have to worry about stuff like that. And this consistency of giving that you see here in verse 16 is sometimes not your consistency. You need to be more, be more consistent in your giving. You say, well, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to this idea of money. You don't know my situation. You don't know my bills. No, I don't, but God does. And he knows all the hearts. He's the searcher of all the hearts. 
Even the Lord Jesus said this in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you hear that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can tell a lot about a person when you find out what they do with their money. And then he says in verse 24, does Jesus, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So true from the lips of Jesus, but you can serve God with your money. You can't serve God and money as though they are two lords and you're serving one lord and not the other because you love one and you despise the other, but you can love God by giving with your money because God is Lord and your money can be the servant of that Lord. And I've said it a thousand times, you don't give to me, you don't give to this church, you don't give to the elders, who do you give to? You give to God, you give to the Lord. And the Lord determines all of that. And by the way, I've been in some contexts where maybe I didn't have all of the confidence in others who are dealing with the finances and whether or not they're dealing with the finances well. But I have been amazed at Bethany Church how well and how many people like our finance committee and our chairman and our elders and our deacons are dealing with the financial management of this church. It's amazing to me. I'm, I can rest so easy that I don't have to do it. I can rest so wonderfully that we've got godly people who are doing this. I, I, just, I just heard about a few things that our church is doing that the leadership is helping to orchestrate, and I didn't even know about it myself. And as soon as I heard about it, I praise God. Praise God for that. I'm not worried about me. I'm not worried about you. I'm not worried about the light bill. I'm not worried about any of those things because we have men and women who are consistently looking out for the needs of others. Isn't that wonderful? And it's a again and again and again proposition. In fact, Paul had such friends that even in the context of some of these who were in Philippi and who were givers, it says in Acts Chapter 18, you read it sometimes, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 5, and it says that Paul met Aquila and Priscilla, and when he met them, they became instant partners with him in the ministry, and according to verse 5, it says, verse 4 and 5, that he, like them, were, it says tent maker, but it's probably leather worker is the better translation. They, they worked with leather. Uh, they, they made tents out of leather. And they made other things. They made clothing, of course, out of, out of leather. But they were workers together. And then in verse 5, it says something so wonderful, and it's, and it's this. Sometimes it doesn't always come out best in the translation in English, but it's this. And after a time, they were leather workers together, and after a time, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word. In other words, his own work 
for the gospel was being impeded by his leather-working occupation. And according to Acts 18.5, there was a time in which they were giving so much that he was able to be completely freed up, devoted to the ministry of the Word. I love that phrase. This is that consistent giving. This is what we ought to be all about. Number six, number six, financial partnership in the spread of the gospel comes with conduct and credit in the attitudes. You said, oh man, we're doing a series on money and now you're mentioning that blasted word attitudes. Well, you know what? This is a spiritual self-check for all of us, myself included. What, 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 What about this financial partnership in the spread of the gospel? Notice what Paul says in verse 17. This is, this, is, this is absolutely phenomenal. He says, you've helped me, verse 16, with my needs once and again, once and again, once and again. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift. Try that on for size, some of those prosperity preachers. Not that I seek the gift. So what is it you're seeking, Paul? But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What's he saying by that? Uh, You know that word there, the gift? The gift, doma? The, The idea is this is a financial gift, and when you give it to my needs, I'm telling you it's not that I'm seeking it from you, but I'm seeking what happens in you, and that is the word fruit. Fruit. You know Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. This is the fruit that Paul is talking about here, and the fruit that he's talking about here is attitude fruit. Attitude fruit. This is a gift, and what you're doing with this gift is actually not just helping me, because even if you didn't give it, since I'm not seeking it, but that you are giving it, it's actually something that's accruing to your account. You see the second word there? I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Look at the alternate translation in the ESV. Or, this is the translation alternately, I seek the profit that accrues to your account. Now what kind of account might that be? That account might be something like this. It could be that Paul is thinking of an account that every believer has on this earth, that God is keeping and accounting of everything we give. And on this earth, while we're giving, he boosts us up spiritually in our attitudes because of our giving. He's helping us in our attitudes, spiritually speaking. And the attitude of our kind giving actually gives us a greater level of spiritual maturity in this life. That's one of the ways that God matures a believer when they are giving in a way that God is pleased. But it perhaps could be not just in the here and now, but in heaven. You are giving now, Philippians, and it's not that I'm seeking it, but in your giving of it, this is actually something that's accruing in the accounts of heaven. You will be rewarded one day, dear Philippian believers, in the financial partnership of the spreading of this gospel. Now, if that isn't a motivator, I don't know what is. 
You mean to tell me that now my spiritual attitudes are going to mature and mature and mature the more I give? Yes. And in the hereafter, in the life to come, I'm going to be rewarded by my Lord Jesus Christ in my giving, in my financial partnership? Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is both conduct now and credit thereafter. Anybody want a big, fat, spiritual bank account in heaven? This is what he's talking about. This is exactly what he's talking about. And it all comes from the attitudes. That word credit is the word account. No wonder when Jesus said to that fool, remember the fool in in Luke's gospel, Luke 12, where the fool says, you know, I've got so much money. I've got so much produce. I've got so much stuff. Here's what I'll do. Instead of giving it to the sake of a partnership in gospel ministry of spreading the good news far and wide, I'll build bigger barns so I can put more and more of my stuff in them. That's what I'll do. I'll build a bigger house. I'll get more produce, and then I'll build more buildings. And so he commences to doing that. And Jesus says in Luke 12, you fool. Calls him a fool. Tonight, tonight, which means he's going to die that very night. Tonight, your soul is required of you. Now, who will own what you possess? You can't take it with you. You don't see a hearse carrying a U-Haul. Can't take it with us. And then he says this, does Jesus, in verse 21, to end that story, so it is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Man, I want to be rich toward God. I want to be so rich toward God in my financial partnership of spreading the gospel that there's an account that's accruing, growing on the financial books of heaven so that when I get there, I'm going to be so spiritually rich. And you know what you do, by the way, when you get so spiritually rich in heaven? You know what you do with it? You turn right around and you give it all at the feet of Jesus Christ himself. And you say, this was all for you. This this is all yours. Isn't this wonderful? Number seven, financial partnership in the spread of the gospel comes with compensation and consecration. This This is so marvelous. Look at verse 18. He says about this gift. I have received full payment and more. Notice the accounting terms. A payment. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Oh, this is... I I, I cannot stress to us that this is all spiritual work. This is compensation and consecration in the realm of the spiritual. I mean, I know it's the giving and receiving of bills, dollar bills, fives, tens, twenties, hundreds. I get that. But did you know that the financial partnership of the gospel is more than just handing money to someone? It's a partnership in gospel work. Oh, yes, it's physical, it's money, it's tangible, it's paying light bills, it's helping pay rent, it's, it's all of that, but it's in ultimately and finally the realm of the spiritual. There's a, 
there's a spiritual compensation that we're talking about here. And not just a spiritual compensation, but a consecration. Do you see this? He says, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, and notice how he describes them, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. That's Old Testament language. Do you remember in the Old Testament when when someone as a sinner would go before God and he would lay his hand on an animal because he was symbolically transferring his sins to the animal so that when the animal was sacrificed, it was a compensation. It was a transference. The animal didn't do anything wrong. The animal didn't sin. And this man or woman who was transferring symbolically their sins onto the head of the animal was being forgiven, not totally and completely, that didn't come until Christ, but they did it under the law of God, they did it in obedience to God so that they would see a kind of consecrated life. I'm doing what God says. Consecration, that's a big word, it means dedication. It means I'm doing what I'm doing so that God would be satisfied. And when God is satisfied, that verse in Philippians 4 says, spiritually speaking, that the aroma of my obedience wafts to the nostrils of God and he's pleased. You mean to say that he is pleased with the giving of my money for the partnership of the gospel and spiritually speaking, his nostrils see tangibly, hear tangibly, feel tangibly the smell of obedience. That's exactly what this means. Boy, this puts folks, this idea of financial compensation and all that, puts it in a whole new realm. I mean, it's not just writing a check. and Ah, let's just go ahead and do it. Ah, I don't know if they're really worthy of it. I mean, come on, I'll give them this, but I can't give them this because that would just be too much. I don't want to. If, if you're really cheerful in your giving, you'll be the kind of giver that says, I want to give so generously that the very nostrils of God himself are pleased with my giving. You know what I have as a practice in my, my own little heart? Beth and I do our giving here at Bethany online, right? It's, it's, it's wonderfully convenient. So I do it, we do it online. You set it up, you, you give. But there's something about when that offering is passed in the service. So every week, I just take good old U.S. of A cash. I don't do it for, for tax purposes. I, I don't do it for uh, anybody else's purposes. But for me, as a worshiper, I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, I want this tangible touch. I I want this giving to go from my hand into that offering bag so that I am seeing God pleased. That may not be what you do, but for me, it's like this is a part of my worship on a Sunday. How many times have I said when the offering is passed, it's not an interruption in our worship, it's a part of our worship? Now, you may give online too. But for me, it's just like I want to participate in that aspect of the service as well. I want to sing. I want to hear the word preached. I, I want to worship, and I want to give. 
There's just something about taking your hand full of cash and just throwing it into that offering bag because you're saying, boy, this is part of my worship. God is pleased. And, 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 and when he's pleased, there's a consecration of my life. There's a dedication to God. And I, I, I want that compensation to go directly from me to the Lord himself. Number eight. Number eight. It also, this spreading of the gospel in our financial partnership comes with covering and crowning. And that's even in the physical. Look at verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just tell you, I can't enumerate the number of times that I've ever preached, and it's not often, on money. But when I do, I will inevitably have someone come to me and say something like this. And you probably may have had it in your heart, talking about this financial partnership. Yeah, but if I do that, if I do that kind of consecrating, sacrificial giving that you're talking about, if I do this and that, all these other points that you've given, but what about my needs? Well, what about the Lord meeting my needs? And possibly the Philippians themselves hearing Paul say, and I've received this, and and it's wonderful, and thank you, and it's glorious, and maybe some of those who might even be not as able to give as much in the Philippian church, like this church, might have that question. Well, Lord, are my needs going to be met? I mean, I don't have a lot. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do what, what it says. I'm going to give, and, and, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be sacrificial. And when I do, I've got this lingering, probing thing in my heart that says, but are, but are my needs going to be met? What, what, what about my needs? What does it say? Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply a few of your needs every so often. Every need Every need of yours according to what? His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That just nails it down tight. Every need of yours. Notice what it does not say. Every want of yours. Lord, I'm praying for a Bentley (laughs) because I really need it. Now, we need a serviceable car that's got four wheels and an engine. That's what we need. doesn't matter what it is. I believe that if I give to the level of what this is talking about, you will cover my needs. That's why I put the word covering there. Covering. And not just covering, crowning. Crowning. What kind of crowning? Only the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's the crowning. That's That's the whipped cream and the cherry on top. Cookies and cream, large. Whipped cream, cherries on top. Thank you very much. Now that, for me, is a need. But every need of yours will be supplied. Notice the verb. Will supply every need. This is, this is for us as we give. Number nine and finally, 
And it comes the spread of the gospel in our financial partnership with confession and consummation in our perfection. This is verse 20. This is it. To our God and Father be what? Glory. Glory. Remember I told you several times before that Old Testament word, kavoth, it means weight or weightedness. God has such gravitas that if he were to come into our presence right now in the Shekinah glory of his all-consuming nature and character, it's not a single person that would remain in that seat. Every single one of us would be on that floor crying out for mercy. Because if God is in our midst, that means he sees us in his midst. And what does he see in us? Well, if you're a Christian, he does see sin, but he sees the covering of that sin by Jesus Christ. And when he sees that covering of sin by Jesus Christ, he says, and what's your response? And you and I say this, to God be the glory. Soli, Deo, Gloria. To glory be God alone. This is, this is how you end a section like this. To God, our God and Father, be glory. This is the confession of our faith. This is not, I want God to have more glory than me. Some glory, a lot of glory, a whole lot of glory. But I got to have some of it because I gave the money. I mean, it was me who put us over the top. It was, it was my cash. It was my check. It was my online giving that, that, that put the last brick in the mortar so that we could have this wonderful building. Can't they figure out that I and my name should be named for the building? I mean, look, if there's a guy named Paul and they named a city after him near Minneapolis, then maybe I get the name, Right? To God alone be the glory. And is it just now? It's forever and ever. You gave again and again and again and again, and he receives the glory again and again and again and again. This is, this is the glory of our confession. And, and at the consummation, you and I are not going to think one thing about how we gave because we're going to be thinking only about Christ. And as we give now, we give for Jesus and His glory. Don't we? I'll tell you what, this, is, this has been a great series for my own soul. Just to reinforce again and again and again what it means to be a financial partner with the saints. I love you and I love the fact that you love your pastor and that you love this church and that you love to give and God is well pleased. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, these are truths that have to be uppermost in our minds because this is a kind of ministry that takes the kind of support that we must give. That we give now our whole lives to you for your glory. And everyone said, Amen.